Are you thinking of breeding a litter? Or maybe you're a seasoned dog breeder who simply wants to refresh your credentials. For me, a program like Pup Starts Breeders is a perfect place to start. Pup Starts is unique. You see, it's the only iPet network level three in dog breeding, litter socialization, health and welfare. In fact, it's the only off-call regulated course of its kind available in the UK. So, if you're considering breeding a litter, whether you're new to this or you've been breeding dogs for years, check out Pup Starts Breeders. That's pupstartsbreeders.com. I'm Anna Webb. Welcome to A Dog's Life. Hey, Mr. Binks, you know you're a British vulnerable breed. Well, that's why we're about to jump on Zoom to talk to Chris Amu about another British vulnerable breed, the Irish Wolfhound. He's not only won Crofts before, but he's also the singer and songwriter of this tune. Welcome to a dog's life. Well, I'm leading, I'm getting leather dog's life at the moment, so it's a pleasure <laughs> to be here. Oh, Chris, you know, I remember, because I've been mad about dogs all my life, when I was watching telly, and it was the big thing in my life when I... Um, you know, I was younger and I saw you win Crufts with your <laughs> Afghan hound. And I remember thinking, oh, my God, what a glamorous pair, duo. Well, and you were like a normal person that had won Crufts. Do you know something? It was unbelievable. It's something that when you uh, enter um, the world of dog showing that you never really dream that you're going to do. I mean, basically what you're dreaming of is just getting a first. It's even qualifying for Crufts. And getting the first prize across, but to actually win best in show was, um, it really was, it was a fantastic day. It was a fantastic feeling, you know, nothing like it. No, I bet. No, it's um, something I aspire to. You know, I, um, I'll i be showing on um, Hound and Terrier Day, Chris. Um, oh, brilliant. Year. Again, yes, yes, I might bump into you up there, which would be fabulous. But I'd love to go back in time a little bit more because you were obviously the, you are a, famous singer songwriter and mm -hmm. um tell us a bit about dogs in your childhood and when did you take the step to be totally dog or when did your life go to the dogs <laughs> <laughs> okay right. growing up i had um two cross alsatian dogs which used to come with me everywhere and um, that was up until i was about ooh, I would say 15 until we actually started with the group, you know. And round about just after that, there was a, a, an artist, a soul artist called Johnny Guitar Watson, who was having hits at the time. And he was one of mine and Dave's idols, you know, we used to buy his albums, things like that. And on one of the covers, I always remember seeing him with an Afghan hound and an open top car. And I swore that when we made it, that was one of the first things I was going to do. I was going to get myself this glamorous 
Afghan ham, which was I was attracted to totally by its coat. By its coat, gosh. And then what happened? <laughs> well, what happened then was I a couple of years on, I was recording the Field of Force album and I was staying in, uh, in London with our producer, a guy called Ken Gold, and he had two Afghans. So that immediately brought my feelings back to having an Afghan hound. And I remember we phoned up a lot of kennels at, um, that evening and we found this kennels in Essex somewhere and they had a, a young Afghan hound for sale. He was only eight weeks or something. So the next day, before we went into the recording session, we went down to, we went to this kennels and I picked up this Afghan hound and had him in a box and in the blanket. And we took him to the studios with us and he stayed in the studios with us all day in the control room. And then I always remember I took him home and Julie, my wife, didn't know anything about it at all. And I arrived at three o'clock in the morning with this box with this little Afghan hound puppy in it, you know. And things led on. And Julie happened to know somebody who had Afghan hounds who lived up by her parents. So she introduced me to him. And he actually showed dogs. So he offered us to a dog show. And um, Julie and I went to the dog show with him. And there was something like 150 Afghan hounds at this show. And that's when I actually knew that I was going to have an Afghan hound. And the dog that I actually saw was the most, the, the guy who, was, who we were going to have one of had a load of photographs of one of his top winning dogs at the time. I remember I'd never seen anything so beautiful as this photograph. So he said, well, I've just had a litter. You can have one of these, right? Oh, so Chris, so wait, so this isn't the first Afghan you picked up, the puppy from Essex. This, you're no. now, no, right. No, this is um, as a result of having that. Julie, as I said, knew somebody with Afghans and introduced me to him. And he used to show Afghans. We knew nothing about dog shows. And he offered to take us to a dog show where we could see all these beautiful Afghan hounds. And it was when we went to that show that we met um, a guy who had a litter and he had a photograph of his top winning champion dog. And he said, well, you know, they're only about four weeks old at the moment, but if you want one of these, you can have one, right? Get it, yes. <laughs> so. So but what happened was um, all the litter died of parvovirus. <gasps> so um, Julie's friend phoned me up and said, but there is another litter in Wales. Um, he wasn't too keen on the father, but the mother was nice. If, if, he said, if you're interested, I'll take, you know, we'll make an appointment. We'll go over and see the puppies. So I said, oh, yeah, please, you know, let's go over and have a look at the puppies. So we went over, it was in Wales, and it turned out to be a lady called Meriel Hitchens. And her husband was a famous footballer who used to play for England called Jerry Hitchens. So we hit it off straight away, because you've got to understand, we were actually in the chart at the time of all this happening. Yeah, gosh, so everyone must have been, I mean, how amazing. I mean, it's like a different world then, I suppose, yeah. as well, um, you know, without the internet. So you'd had to have gone to see the puppies. There was no yeah. emailing any pictures over or anything like that. 
what was more outstanding, uh, amazing, was the fact that you let us have one because the first thing I think is, oh, this is just a fad. This is just a fad, this, you know. But the only one that I liked, and I can honestly say he was the, only, the one that I liked, was the one that she was keeping. Oh. <laughs> so she said to me, she says, well, I would let you have him if you promise me you're going to show him, but we'd have to be in partnership. So I says, oh, absolutely fine. You know, we were fine with that, Julie and I. And um, she says, you know, she asked me, it's not just the fad. I mean, he is going to have a secure home. So I must admit, I had to tell a lie because Julie, Julie was only 17 at the time anyway, and we weren't married at the time. We were living together, but we weren't married. So she let us have the puppy amazingly because nobody, I think it was only because with her husband being a celebrity, we formed a little bit of a bond, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. I get that. And also, you were based up in Liverpool, weren't you, at this time? Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so Liverpool and Wales, they're not awfully far from one another, are they, really? So it's sort of the same neck of the woods. Yeah, yeah. And she trusted us, you know, she trusted us. And, you know, I took it very, very seriously, um, the showing part. Went to training classes and everything. Um and I always remember our first show was in Wales, actually, but in South Wales, Cardiff. I always remember we got a third prize with him and there was about 30 in the class. So that tells you I could actually handle the dog in the ring at that time. Gosh, I mean, showing, it does get very addictive, doesn't it? Well, especially when you win. <laughs> yeah, I know. Winning is really especially good. Especially when you go to your first show and you have a, a fantastic win. Yeah, so so this dog that you bought in Wales, was this the one that won Crufts? Was this Viscount Grant? Nope. Nope. Oh. It, nope. But it was the one that I first won Crufts, the, uh, the Hound group of Crufts with, right? Right, right. Two years before Viscount Grant, I'd actually won the Hound group of Crufts with another dog called Ashina Ral, and that was this dog, our first show dog. Oh, I see. Okay. So righty-ho. Okay. I'm getting the whole picture now. Okay. So, and then was Viscount Grant related to that one? He was, because what we did, by the time I'd been showing for four years, and we'd made him up into a champion and everything, and, you know, I was going to all the shows where I could, you know, and believe you me, I used to fit in shows <laughs> around the gigs and things like that, you know. We were pretty fortunate then because I could work when I wanted to work and not work when I didn't want to work. So, you know, because when you're in the charts, you, you, you can basically do that. You know, you can plan your sort of tours. And um, I went back to the breeder. Well, Julie and I went back to the breeder and we bought um, the, uh, the, the, uh, a bitch from a repeat mating. Right. And she, the mother, she ended up the mother of our first litter and in that first litter was Viscount Grant oh it's quite emotional um so he was a half brother as it were right right yes yeah 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 oh golly so that's where it all began and then how long did you have do you still have Afghans we've got one Afghan at the moment she's old now she's 12 oh. uh, because we actually um came out of Afghans um about five years ago we came out of it longer than that but we we actually acquired another one later on because we missed them so much 
And that's the one that we've still got now. She's got two CCs, but we were so much into our wolfhounds then that we just didn't have time, you know, to actually physically do the two breeds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now your your dog of choice is the Irish Wolfhound. So you're still in the hounds, aren't you? Absolutely. I wouldn't go out of the hounds. So what is it then about hounds that has tickled your fancy? <laughs> I'm very much, I've got to like the look of a dog, you know, um, more than anything else. It's got to sort of like float our boats when we look at it. And the only two breeds that have done that in the 40 years since we've been in it, is Afghan hounds and Irish wolfhounds. I always wanted the Irish wolfhound once I started showing and I saw them at the shows. Um, but it wasn't until, I would say, about six years, seven years after we'd been showing Afghans that we acquired our first Irish wolfhound. Yeah, and what are they like, Irish Wolfhounds? I've I've loved Irish Wolfhounds. I mean, you'll probably have read, you know, the the amazing story of Finn, the Irish Wolfhound yeah. from Wales, you know, from that yeah. little village called Beth Gellert. Um, and there's a little statue and a memorial yeah. for yeah. the dog, Beth Gellert, that, you yeah. know, his master slayed him when he accidentally thought that the Irish Wolfhound had tried to kill his baby, when in fact... It wasn't at all like that. And a wolf had snuck in, you know, to their hamlet or however it was, you know, years and years ago and had tried to kill the baby. And of course, the Irish wolf found, oh, God, I might cry, had killed the wolf. Tears are coming out of my eyes right at this very moment. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. So I made dad when when we were on holiday in Wales once, I made dad do a massive detour because I had to go to Beth Gellert because I was obsessed by Finn, the Irish wolfhound, you see, yeah. to see his memorial. So um, they're very brave dogs, are they? They should be very outgoing dogs. Um, <laughs> I never, I never get the chance to see how brave they are. Uh, luckily enough at the moment um i always remember you know you say that the brave dogs but i remember one day woke up and there were some bulls on the field so i thought oh i don't like that right so i let me do, i had uh, we had four wolfhounds at the time so i let them out i said like cut you you're coming with me while i'm shooing these bulls out the way i ain't going up there on my own well they come up about halfway up the bulls let out this, you know, like that, like they do. I tell yeah. you what, I've never seen wolfhounds disappear so quick. And there I was in the middle of the field on my own, and the wolfhounds were looking at me from the safety of their own paddocks. So you ask me, are they brave? Who knows? I go, so funny. Them four weren't, I can tell you that. <laughs> well, and the Irish wolfhound, you know, it's part of our culture, isn't it? I mean, it's not only the the the, the tallest dog; it is considered the biggest breed of dog, isn't it? Chris? Yes, it is. yeah, yeah the, but the but they're vulnerable, aren't they? I mean, they're now rarer than the giant panda. Yes, it's it's you see, it's very it's not easy. Wolfhounds aren't easy, you know, and I think they're easier than what people think they are, but nevertheless, they're still difficult you've got to have in my book a bit of land to really enjoy your wolfhounds which isn't to say that you can't have one if you haven't got land but it's easier for you if you have and i think that a lot of people look at wolfhounds about how much it would cost to feed them 
um, the room that they would have to have. So a lot of people, although they, they love the wolf hounds, they don't go for them when they're going to buy a dog. And because of that, a lot of the older breeders that of wolf hounds that used to have a lot of land, they've sort of like gone out the breed or they've passed away. And there's not a lot of young, new people coming into the breed. And that's why it's becoming rare. It's not because they're not popular. It's because people don't think that an Irish wolfhound will suit their lifestyle. Yeah, well, I mean, you can understand that as I suppose all our accommodation is supposed to be getting smaller and smaller. And, yeah. you know, with rising costs of living, then the thought of feeding a dog that might eat more than a whole family. I mean, what would you say then? I mean, an average wolfhound, what would it weigh? And so what would it what it what would its weekly food bill be, Chris? Um, a fully grown adult male can weigh anything up to uh, 90 kilograms. And I would say they don't eat as much as you think they would eat, but they do eat a lot. I couldn't tell you what the weekly bill was because <laughs> I, I just couldn't tell you. But, you know, I mean, it costs us quite a lot to feed them. Yeah, but well, you know, if you work out, I think it's supposed to be three percent of a dog's body weight is the amount you should give them to eat. So ninety kilos divided by three percent, what's that? It's about nine hundred grams a day, or is that not right? The maths. I don't really math like that, to be quite honest with you. I couldn't tell you. I I feed by I look at my dogs and I look at how the bodies are because I don't like dogs that are fat. So I'll keep them um, nice and uh, not lean, but muscularly well-bodied. And um, yes, I mean, we probably go through four large bags of, uh, no, about eight large bags of all-in-one food, whichever food that is per month, plus a mixture of um, uh, dog mints you know, chicken, something like that. So you would say if they cost about 30 pounds, 40 pounds per bag. So, you know, you're talking 320 pounds or something a month just for the dry food. Yeah, gosh, yes, yes. That's that's what... Don't forget, that's for five or six wolf hounds. Well, it's not too bad then, actually. No, it's not. Are you thinking about buying a puppy and you want a happy, healthy pup that's had the very best start? Whatever you do, please don't go online and just buy one like you might get a Hoover. Instead, find a credible, responsible breeder. And for me, choosing a breeder with a pup starts qualification will ensure that your pup is born to health-tested parents, reared and socialised to the highest health and welfare standards. And that is so important. And this is why Pup Starts is unique. In fact, it's the only iPet network, level three in dog breeding, litter socialization, and puppy health and welfare. In fact, it's the only off-qual regulated course of its kind in the UK. So before you check out a new puppy, check out a qualified breeder on pupstartsbreeders.com. That's pupstartsbreeders.com. Hey, Mike. Hey, Anna. Hey, I was thinking, after we record this Zoom, shall we run to the park and with Prudence, Billy and ah. Mr. Binks? Uh, I'd love to, but as you can hear, Billy is excited because his delivery is turning up any minute now. 
Oh, what delivery is that? Paleo Ridge. No way, you've done it. I have, I have. After you gave us a sample of yours, Billy absolutely loves it. And if, come here, Billy, come here. So you can see how see how his, his coat is all nice and shinier now and see in his belly. Oh, remember, look. remember I was telling you how his, it was all bald there and now it's all growing back? Yeah, yeah. I thought it would help with that because it boosts the immune system. And of yeah. course, the skin is an organ like any other organ in the body. It's exactly. the biggest organ. So he looks very white and shiny. He's very white and shiny. And uh, all that talk of rock hard poo that you were always mentioning is <laughs> actually true. So it's not quite the... Um, mess that we would normally have to clean up uh in the heath anymore it's actually quite easy now isn't it bill isn't it well good for you billy yeah and anyway i always think roy is the best and for me paleo ridge is the best of the best so if you want to find more everybody check out the show notes there's so much controversy, isn't there, Chris, about Crufts? And lots of people think showing dogs is ridiculous and unnecessary. And the only thing to go to Crufts to see would be the agility or whatever. But what is it for you? You obviously got the bug on showing ages ago and you kept going with it. And I know it's only fun if you win. But what would you say to somebody listening that might think, you know, I might actually enjoy going to dog shows? Okay, what I would say to them is this. When you're walking around town in your cities and you see dogs, wouldn't you like to see the very, very, very finest examples of those dogs that you love? Like, for instance, if you like a boxer, wouldn't you just love to actually be in a position to see the very, very most beautiful boxer that you're going to see? And that's what you see at Crufts. You know, you see them in all their glory, in all their temperament. Because to be able to show a Crufts, and most of the breeders and most of the dogs that are bred to show, they've got to have wonderful temperaments. Yeah, yeah. They've, and they've got to be healthy, because otherwise they ain't going to last you long to show them. So everybody goes out the way to make sure that what they're breeding is extremely healthy. So you're going to be seeing dogs at Crufts, at, at the dog shows, that at the height of their, of their condition and the beauty. I mean, and that's what I loved about my first show that I went. I bought an Afghan hound from a kennel. It wasn't a breeder's kennel. It was one of these all breeds where, where they have all breeds you know, where they're selling all breeds from the, the kennels. And that made me want to see another one, these beautiful dogs. And when I went to the show, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. It was just pure beauty. And I looked at my dog, and as much as I loved him, I thought, my God, you're nothing like the <laughs> dogs I've seen at that show. I've got to have one of them. So you mean the first one you got in Essex, that puppy? He was a lovely dog, but he wasn't a particularly good show dog. He wasn't what, he, he could never be a show dog, you know. There was too many things that weren't quite right on him. For instance, he used to turn his little feet out a little bit, you know. Things that don't matter if you're not going to show your dogs. No bearing as to you going and having fun with him in the park and he's still got the same character. Of the, of the Afghans and the wolfhounds that are in the shows. 
it's just that maybe he's got a tooth missing or, you know, things like that, 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 and you can't show them. But believe you me, when you go, you know, people say that pedigree dogs are pampered and that they send, spend their lives living on couches. You couldn't show them if they were that way at all. My dogs are full of mud throughout the week. <laughs> They're absolutely full of mud throughout the week. And if they weren't full of mud throughout the week, I can assure you, there's no way that I could show my Irish wolfhounds or Afghan hounds, because if they're not running free and have a lovely life of galloping and the correct food and kept in condition that they're, you know, they're not going to be too fat to carry the hearts, you know, that's what it's all about for me. Exactly. But also there's the social aspect of it all. And, and it isn't it. And it's the feeling of belonging. And in this world where, you know, I mean, this is the first crafts, isn't it, for two years. I think, you know, I'm really excited about going up there just to see old faces, wave yeah. at people I haven't seen for a while, you know, and all of that, yeah. which we yeah. now know is so valuable when we've been locked up for two years. That's kind of a sense of belonging, I think, that um, so I been going to crafts since I was eight Chris so and I I just I kind of love it I love the way it's quite quirky and you mm -hmm. see all different shapes and sizes of dogs and, and humans and you know and it's it's quite funny in a way as well but ultimately it is all about man's best friend and our history with dogs which I don't know if you feel like me on this but I feel sad that dogs are being so exploited by unscrupulous breeders you know and this dreadful puppy farming business you know the latest podcast actually that we've done is really revealing the really nasty side of puppy farming and the implicit link in Ireland to tax money and councils and all sorts of things I mean it's pretty dark but you know they're all pumping out these designer crossbreeds you know and none of which are health tested and there's this myth isn't it that a designer crossbreed is going to be healthier than a pedigree yeah you know when I hear all this I know it's it's not nice to hear it, it really isn't you know but it's I think it's the same in every sport I think it's the same in every sport. I think that you're always trying to, you're always going to get people who look at the extremes in every sport and try to uh, make a big deal out of these things. Yes, of course, there are people who exploit dogs. And there always will be, no matter what laws you bring in, there are always going to be unscrupulous people who exploit dogs. And it's the same in any way. Look, in my business, in the show, in show business, there are people who exploit people in my business, and poor, you know, poor artists um, end up earning nothing, and they're exploited, and while they're this and that and the other, and you know, basically they get robbed by agents and things like that. There's unscrupulous people in every walk of life, in every walk of life. But for me, I would not have been in dogs for as long as I have been, if I didn't think that it was such a lovely environment to be in. And I certainly would not hold with, if I saw anybody mistreating a dog or exploiting dogs. But I must admit, I think that these people are few and far between, but they've got a big voice. That's the problem. They've got a big voice. 
and it makes it seem as if all the people that breed nice pedigree dogs that we're all exploiting these dogs unfortunately um, and all we can do is to keep breeding to the best of our ability healthy dogs and our platform for showing those healthy dogs are shows like props and i think eventually people will come round to looking at the dogs and seeing them for what they are as for the crossbreeds well that's what they are mongrels if you yes. like mongrels if you like mongrels go out and get one that's fine but don't try and affect the pedigree dogs just because the pedigree dogs admit the fact that you like mongrels and go out and buy one absolutely you know I mean, if you want a Labradoodle, buy one. <laughs> yeah, you no, no. Be, if you think it's going to be healthier than my Wolfhounds or my Afghans, well, by all means, go out and buy one and find out for yourself. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, they say, Chris, that hounds and terriers are the most untrainable of all the types of dogs. Bearing in mind here, I've got a bull terrier. And that's going to be at Crufts, um on Terrier Day. So maybe we'll really? be up. Yeah, I know. So what would you say to somebody then, you know, thinking about getting a hound, you know, do you think they are more difficult to train than a Labrador? All dogs are difficult to train if you don't know what you're doing. Find out how to bring up the dog to do what you want it to do, right? If you don't want it for the show world, you don't have to do what you do and what me and Julie do. But if you want it to be a dog that's going to be accepted in society and be a lovely companion for you, get to know exactly what the temperaments of the dogs are and get a dog that suits that temperament, you know? Yeah, yeah. And that I could run across the fields with and think I was Henry VIII. That's what I wanted when I got my wolf out. The first thing I wanted to do was take three or four of them out with me into the woods and you know and really that's what I love doing with them I love taking them out and sort of ambling with them you know but that wouldn't suit somebody else maybe somebody else would want a companion like a nice dachshund and things like that you know and you know when you buy a terrier breed you know that terriers are feisty so know exactly what you've got to do to make them Sociable. And that's what's so lovely about Crufts, isn't it? Because you've got all the dogs there and you've got the discovered yeah. dogs area. So if you're thinking about getting a dog, you know, you might think, oh, you know, I'd quite like you know, a rough collie. And maybe by the end of your visit at Crufts, you might actually think, well, do you know what? Uh, I think yeah. maybe a Pomeranian is Absolutely. more the type of dog I should be getting. And it's choosing the right dog, isn't it, for your lifestyle? It's wonderful. Discover dogs at Crufts is wonderful. And I would suggest to anybody, even if you if you just want to see your favourite breed close up, maybe without interfering with the exhibitors who are there to compete. And it's a it's a real fun day out for those exhibitors, but it's very tense when you're shown because you want your animal to perform for however many minutes it's in the ring. You want to get it looking lovely and you want to get yourself in the zone. And it's not always easy to communicate with the public when you're doing that. But Discover Dogs gives you that opportunity to go up and see the breeds, chat to people, and, uh, got, you know, generally pack the breeds and 
get to know the breeds firsthand and then you can go back and see them in action. Exactly, exactly. So for you, Chris, what have your dogs taught you? I could never live without my dogs, to be honest with you. They are a complete joy for me. The business I'm in, show business, is very stressful. And the dogs take all that stress away, you know? And if you want me to be honest with if you're asking me what it taught me from a competitive angle. Well, yeah, on a competitive angle, but but more, you know... About your humanity, really. I mean, for me, my dogs make me humble every day. They don't care about all the things I worry about. And they make me realise the important things in life. Like this morning, I was up really early. I was on on the Hackney Marshes with my Bull Terrier. She has a friend, you wouldn't believe it, who's an, a Eurasia. So you all know what a Eurasia is. So they look like the odd couple and they absolutely love each other. And just seeing the joy of dogs bounding, like you say, you know, you're running through the woods with your wolfhounds. I just love yeah. watching dogs run. Yeah, it's, 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 it's wonderful, you know. And they also, they, you know, they, te- they show you that something, sometimes you've got to be very, very patient and sometimes you've got to be very, very tender with them, you know, and that spills over. And it's like that old saying, what they say, if you don't like dogs, are oh, you a nice person? <laughs> you know, and I truly believe that, you know, because you don't have to own a dog to like dogs, you know. But anyone who says, oh, no, I don't like I, oh, I don't like being around them. For me, there's something wrong unless, you know, there's a problem about being around them, you know, allergy or something. But, um, you know, I don't know. I just think dogs, dogs are part of your family, aren't they? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, you know, they they totally are. They are man's best friend. And I think they bring us so much and we are so you know, duty bound, you know, the duty of care to do our best for them in every capacity because they make yeah. us whole. I believe they make us human. They do, absolutely. Honestly, you couldn't have said a truer word there. They really do. They're everything, dogs. So really excited about Crufts. And, I mean, how do you think you're going to do? Um, we always do okay. We always do okay at Crufts. Um, has to be doing okay. I mean, we know that we're taking really good dogs to Crufts. Um, and if we come away in the placings, you know, from one to five, the classes at Crufts are wonderful. A lot of people are coming in from abroad with dogs that you don't know. So you can never fully say, oh, I think I'll do this at Crufts, because you don't know what's going to be there. All you can do is have your dogs in great condition. We know we're taking the top hound in the country to Crufts, because the Irish Wolfhound that we're showing now is the top hound. But then there are going to be other top hounds coming in from other countries. So, yes, he'll do all right. He'll do all right. But ready to win is another thing, you know. Wow. Well, you know, I'm always very excited by the best of the final lineup, I've got to say. And, um, you know, I really, fingers crossed for you, Chris, that it'll be an Irish wolfhound representing the hound group. Um, It'll be really exciting and really excited about perhaps bumping into you on Hound and Terrier Day because we're going to be up there. And mind you, gosh, I mean, we won't end up in any final lineups, but, you know, you can but try. But it's still just just say that you never know. (laughs) <laughs> you never know, honestly, because I can absolutely categorically assure you I had no idea and no thoughts about 
ever competing in a hound group at Crufts when we, when we actually won it and when we won the hound group before that, I can honestly say to you, you never know. At Crufts, you never know. Well, this is it. This is the fun of it, isn't it? And as they always say, you've got to be in it to win it. But I'll be honest with you, Chris, just backtracking a bit. You know, I find it's brilliant for training. When people are watching Crufts on telly, I think people think, well, anyone could do that. All you need is to put your dog on a lead and walk around the ring. I mean, how little do they know? <laughs> I mean, we'd have be... to do that with my wolfhound. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be them who would take around the ring. It would be the wolfhound taking them out for it. I know that's it because you know that's a you know big strong dog and you've got yeah. to make it look effortless and yeah. so much work goes into it and that people don't really I think totally appreciate and then the dog's got to be examined by most often you know a complete stranger yeah. I mean I know from the training I do with dogs that most people's dogs couldn't let a complete stranger you know open their mouth look in their yeah. ears touch them and move into their space so that takes a lot of work and a lot of socialization and all of that has to happen before you go into that show ring, right? Yeah, and I think that like what people should realise, people who are not familiar with the show well, we were talking before about negative comments coming out and the sort of minority having a big voice about how it's terrible and how it should be banned and this and that and the other. And I always remember they used as an example the German Shepherd dog one year that um, was really frightened when it was in in the hound group. So many people were coming out, even people coming to me in, in my business saying, wasn't it disgusting, that poor dog? And I had to explain to people, I said, look, I said, that poor dog, I said, has probably not got a nerve in its body. I said, but the fact is, something that day has frightened the dog. It can happen to any dog. It doesn't mean that the dog has got a really bad temperament. You know, you've got all the music going round. You've got thousands of people. You, you, you wouldn't believe the amount of people that you have to get through to even get to the hound group ring. You know, where you rest, you know, when you've won the best of breed. You've got yeah. to get over to the ring where the groups are. You wouldn't believe how stressful and how difficult it is and how packed it is. And, you know, the dogs had to go through that. And by the time, sometimes... Some dogs get in the ring frightened, but you know, yeah. it's not gonna harm the dog once the dog is out of that environment. And the handler will then know, okay, fair enough. It's not really worth taking him um, next year because he doesn't like that kind of environment. And the dog will ne probably never be that frightened again, but people make such a big deal of it. And that's what gets me. You don't give us a chance to explain to them. Yes. You know, somebody hit him with a bag accidentally when you're walking through or, or he's not used to all the trumpets. We weren't expecting all the trumpets and, you know, things like that. And, you know, all the echo in the microphone. Crufts is very stressful, even for exhibitors. 
yes, even for the humans, exactly, let alone the dogs. So, yes, it it takes a lot of training to get um, up to that level. I know I'm going to on the Thursday, because I'm up there on the Thursday, actually, be walking around all the main rings, getting Prudence mm-hmm. aware of all of the clapping sounds, because nine times out of ten, she's all right. But once at Crufts, okay, so the Border Terriers, what was the last time we were there? So the Border Terriers were next to us, okay, Chris. And their yep. best in show happened before the Bull Terriers. So there was all this applause, all this yep. like, yay, yay, yay. Everyone was getting so excited because it's a very yep. popular breed. Well, Prudence just absolutely freaked out. And then when all the clapping stopped, she calmed right down again. So, and we got second actually out of over 20 um, at the last craft. So I was chuffed yep. with that. That was all right. Anyway, we're going up there. It's a bit like my childhood, really. I like going to Crufts. And that's how it shall stay, Chris. So really hope to see you up there. And I wish you all the best. And if I say break a leg, I really don't mean it literally. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, I'm looking forward to it. Um, We've started our preparations now, you know, just doing the final touches. And um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to getting exciting now. Yes, hurrah, fantastic. And thank you so much for this chat today. No problem. It's a pleasure. That's our show, Mr. Binks. What did you think? Yes, it is important, isn't it, to raise awareness for the British vulnerable breeds. And you're right, it is time for Woof of the Week. So, if you're thinking about killing a dog, why not visit this year's Crafts and check out over 220 registered pedigree breeds. There's a dog out there, you know, for everyone. Well, I hope you all enjoyed it. If you did, please rate and review the show wherever you tune into your podcasts. Thanks again to Chris Amu. All his links are in the show notes. Thanks, of course, to Mike Hansen, my producer. You can find out more about him and his company at Pod People UK. And for me, I'm at Anna Web Dogs. What's that, Mr. Binks? Yes, you're right. We will be back in your feed next Sunday with a very special episode recorded live at Crafts. So why don't you subscribe now? That way you'll never miss another show. Bye for now.